0: Hello, and welcome to the Pondering Theologian Podcast. I am the host, Nathaniel. In today's episode, I want to explore the idea of the fear of God. This is a phrase that is used often to incite fear or um, used and interpreted In a way that I don't believe is very congruent with what the Bible says as a whole. And I'm going to read to you in Genesis chapter 28 verses 10 through 19 and Matthew 13 and we're going to get into this a little bit more. So let's start with our gospel reading. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Where did the weeds come from? The enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seeds stand for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everyone that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their God, who has ears. Let them hear. And then from Genesis chapter 28. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And they said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are lying. Your descendants will be like dust on the earth, and you will spread out to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Lutz. Uh, I've shared this story before, but I think it's worth sharing again. Many years ago, I was walking through the. the the woods where my family hunted. Um, This was um, uh, state land, and we knew most of the people in these woods. I was in a relatively unfamiliar part this evening. I was trying not to be loud because I was coming back to that area again the next morning. I've always had a mild fear of the dark. My worst nightmares always seem to find me vulnerable and in the dark, facing something. So in my teenage years, I decided that the woods is where I would try to get over it in some vast and dense woods. Uh, In retrospect, this is kind of like trying to get over a fear of swimming by jumping off a high diving board. I was doing my very best to walk through these woods without any use of my flashlight. I had it in my pocket even so that I would not be tempted to turn it on. And I was walking along. I heard something suddenly and loudly moving quickly towards me. If you have ever been in a wooded area with lots of underbrush, While something big moved through it, you'd know this causes very loud noises. Imagine that you are sitting in your car while someone continually hits your car with tree branches. Very noticeable and very uncomfortable, and in a thick canopy, it echoes with some ferocity. As I stumbled and tried to see what was going on in the dark, still not grabbing for my flashlight, a big, white-tailed deer came flying through the trees, saw me about to fill my drawers, and pivoted away in the direction I was heading to go out. Needless to say, that was not the night I got over my fear of the dark. Many fears are formed out of rational reasons, things that we know, that we learn, or that we have watched, seen, or heard recounted in stories and in warnings. I also Fear drowning alone, specifically. This fear came from watching two films in my youth, White Squall and Perfect Storm. Both include showing someone inevitably about to drown and dying alone. Some fears are irrational. We form them similarly by hearing or seeing something told to us. I had a fear of a particular flesh-eating scarab that was created and exaggerated in another film called The Mummy. Another film in my youth. Perhaps there's a theme here. There are good things to be fearful of, but not fear in the anxiety and dread-causing way that we might look at the dark or drowning alone or of something fictional. This is more what we would call some some call respect but it could also be called reverence but it's really something more than that this is this fear and reverence that we might call awe like when one looks at a mountain up close and realizes how vast and magnificent it is or when you watch someone with amazing skill do something like climb up a sheer mountainside without a harness Sometimes we would call it simply awesome, amazing, or unfathomable. Sometimes, however, we get to this point of comfort where we no longer hold awe, wonder, or fear. We look at something and we no longer really perceive the largeness of it, the unfathomable part of it. I live in the Great Lakes region in the Midwest, um, and they are the biggest lakes in the United States. Um, The average number of deaths in all of them, all uh, every year is about 100. And Lake Michigan, where I live near, is one of the most deadly lakes in the country by several statistics. And I know growing up on the Great Lakes, and getting caught in thunderstorms and being on the water with water spouts. I knew it was dangerous, yet myself and many people every year go fishing in the worst of conditions despite that. The fear is squelched in confidence, the fear of the lakes is something that's, I would say, spawns a little bit out of not having awe. And the point I'm getting at is that we often fear something, sometimes, however, we as humans also fail to develop a healthy fear, or maintain it as we get comfortable. In the reading in Genesis, we read about Jacob's ladder. Hebrew is a fascinating language, and one that is very dynamic. In verse 17 we read, And he was afraid, and said, How awesome is this place! There is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate to heaven. The word in Hebrew used for afraid and awesome are very similar. In fact, they both come from the same root word, yare, which can be translated as to fear, revere, to stand in awe of, be awed, respect, to cause astonishment and awe, to make afraid and terrify. So the word is very similar and implies very similar feelings. So Jacob has this prophetic dream, this covenant of sorts with God. And when he wakes up, he is filled with yare and feels this majestic fear, this awe. This is almost an experience of perspective where Jacob realizes just how powerful God is. In reverence and awe, Jacob takes and set up sets up a pillar, a monument, an altar to honor and show respect for this experience. We know that this continues to be something that will shape Jacob in his story following this. When we think of our lives, what comes to mind as the thing that you put, uh, or not you, what's the thing that you can identify that put you in awe of God? What is the thing that caused you to have a healthy fear of the Lord? Now would be a good time to look more at what this fear that Jacob is showing us here. When I say fear, it, in, in this case, I don't mean fear in the way that you act out of terror, or in a way that moves you from reverence toward the fear one would have when they're constantly afraid to die or miss out on something. When we think of why we do anything as Christians, it ought not be acting out of fear of punishment, the way an abused animal or a person cowers when a hand is raised or flinches when someone raises their voice. Though we know that the end of all this we call life will be a time of judgment, fear of punishment is not the thing that ought to motivate us. Punishment is inevitable in this life as a repercussion. However, this is not the fear we're talking about. Life is precious, love is precious, grace and mercy are precious. Those are things we are freely given. Contingent on nothing because Jesus dies for each person in the world and our God is a loving one. Jacob in his dream is given a promise to be taken care of. To have land and a strong family in that time was precious. God promised this to Jacob. This awe, this awesome expression that Jacob has is reverence. Now I've used that word a couple times. And The definition that is in my Bible dictionary is deep regard, or a deep respect given, especially towards God. This respect or regard is a deep admiration for God. When we think about fear, or the fear of God, is the base of it respect coming out of admiration? And I would add love. Admiration and love that leads to awe. If we were to read through the next many chapters, we would start to get a glimpse of this promise starting to be kept for Jacob. He has some tumultuous times on that road, yet he reconciles with his brother Esau, has a large family, returns to Bethel, and sets down roots there that lead into the different sons of Israel, which become the 12 tribes, a monarchy, a rich kingdom, and history that, though scarred, continues today. That is a promise still ongoing which is something simply amazing to think about when we know that it is hard to find many a promise we make each other that is kept purely and honestly through our lives to all of you listening i ask you to consider do you have a healthy fear or awe of our god we all hopefully do at some point in our faith journey have this awe as we say the sinner's prayer or accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as we read the Bible or we worship, or as we walk through creation, we see the wonders that God crafted and set into motion. Do we keep that wonder, that awe, that feeling of reverence? When we think of our lives and where we are led in our journeys, we maintain a healthy fear of God. A fear that reminds us that staying on the path is important because we love our God. A fear born out of reverence, respect, and knowing that the sheer magnitude of the love and grace given us is more than we can understand. Do we remember that? Do we maintain a healthy fear of God? If we go back to the mighty Lake Michigan, There are many a boater, angler, and swimmer that do so knowing how powerful the lake is. At some point, those who live near a great lake, uh, or if you live near an ocean you can imagine and witness the destruction and the life within it and the sheer magnitude of it. We learn to revere it or we are humbled by it at the least, hopefully. But we can forget that. Within the last couple of years, I was captaining a boat. I have uh, been on boats and an angler my whole life. I have learned firsthand the dangers of being in a little aluminum boat, in five foot waves or higher and even higher ones than that in a 21 foot cabin cruiser. I have felt the power of a cross wave. I have fallen from moving boats. I have swam in deep waters. I know people who have drowned and almost drowned myself a few times. Yet I still got overconfident and lost some of the awe and fear that the lake deserved. I get, I got caught with a load little lake, or a little boat—goodness—on a big lake with a storm blowing in and a long way to go from shore. As I was almost rolled over at one point, the lake reminded me that reverence, respect, and a healthy fear of nature. what can keep us alive. In a world where we see people who narrow the focus of Christianity from what Jesus' example is to a tool for power, conformity, and wealth, I wonder if in many ways we have lost a little of the fear of God. Again, not the fear that controls behavior, but the fear that is rooted in awe, respect, and love for our God. In the gospel reading uh, from earlier, we hear the parable of the weeds and we hear Jesus give its meaning to the disciples. And the interesting thing is that despite what we choose to be, either children of the kingdom, the wheat, or the children of the evil one, the weeds, we are still given the full life of the field. What I mean is that we are all still given the grace to live this life, despite how we choose to act. If you recall earlier, I said that life is precious, love is precious, grace and mercy are precious. Those are things we are freely given, contingent on nothing, and that the base of the fear of God is admiration and love that leads to awe. When we think about the parable of the weeds, it is a lovely reminder that despite a field with weeds, God will allow us to live life. God, or the farmer, could have the field burned, could come through and choose to have the weeds pulled, in which case the wheat would be disrupted or harmed. God could choose a different way to have creation function. However, God knows that in all that we would, knows in all of that we would be harmed in some deeper way. So God, the farmer, leaves the wheat, rather than uprooting the whole field. This conveys a deeper mercy, love, and grace than I believe we often take from this parable. Normally, I hear it talked about to illustrate the end of times, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it is used to strike terror, the kind of fear to control behavior. The fear of the Lord is one that is driven by love, reverence, respect, and awe. The fear of the Lord looks at the field of this life and knowing that we are all given life and the grace to live it, remembers that the good seeds are here to reflect that to the rest of the field. Do you have a healthy fear of the Lord? When we think of the way we talk to others and we explain the need to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, how do you talk about it? What is your relationship to God? King David, the disciples, Martha, Mary, uh, Ruth, many other important people in the Bible were not walking around talking about the end of times like we see today, where the terror of God is being put in people about a rapture and war and poor interpretations of revelation. They all had a fear of God, an awe of God born out of love and reverence. What does that look like in your life? For many of us, we might not think about this much. However, the fear of God is something we carry in some way, either more on the terror side or of the love side which fear of God do you have? Do you have a healthy fear? Many of us in this life will lose a healthy fear of something. Mine have included things with blades, great lakes, combustible materials, and corrosive chemicals, and I have paid the price for that in many ways. Many of us get accustomed to being in the field of life. We ought to remember that there will still be a harvest that will be done in love. We have to work to remain the wheat with a healthy fear of the harvest. So when you are finished with this episode, I ask you to consider, do you have awe for God? Do you look at God, your relationship with God and creation with a wonder and reverence? Or have you lost some of that? I would implore you to explore these questions. And if you've lost some of that fear and awe, perhaps you might evaluate that a little bit. I'm going to end the episode here. And I would love to know your thoughts, your perspective, your feeling, your interpretation of everything that I've spoken about in this episode. Down in the Show notes and the episode notes is all the contact for the podcast. You can reach out on social media or over, uh, well, by email. Um, if you listen on Spotify, you can respond directly through the episode notes. There will be a question down there. I hope you will reach out. As you go about your day, I hope that you're doing well. Know that God loves you so very much. And there is nothing that you or anyone else can do about that. We'll see you in the next episode.